I'm a student, like just a sponge of these incredible people that I talk to every day who level me up as a marketer and a leader consistently. I'm learning things that I never would be able to learn. Podcasts are like these inside looks, these kind of intimate peering behind the curtain of what's going on in other people's businesses and departments that you wouldn't otherwise have access to. Welcome to Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their career through a strong personal brand. Rep Your Brand is hosted by Nick Bennett, one of LinkedIn's top voices on field marketing and personal branding. In each episode, Nick captures stories on how to overcome the challenges marketers face with growing their brand. So if you're a marketer looking to open doors and create opportunities that you never thought were possible, then listen in to get tangible tips and strategies to build your very own personal brand. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their careers through a strong personal brand. I'm Nick Bennett and this podcast is brought to you by my friends at Motion. They're a done-for-you podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams in B2B tech. They're two of the nicest guys around and the work that they do is truly world-class. You can find them at motionagency.io. And today, our guest is Ashley Levesque, VP of Marketing at Bonsai and someone that has been a day one supporter of mine and a friend. Ashley, thank you for joining us. Oh, I'm so excited. Amazing. So everyone knows who you are. You have a strong personal brand. So I won't go into that piece, but I do want to go into kind of like this first piece here. So let's be honest, people understand who Ashley is, but what is Ashley's definition of a personal brand? So I like to steal from Donald Miller here who says that value-driven, successful people view themselves as economic products on the open market. That people who are obsessed with being a good investment attract further investment and then get to enjoy more personal and professional economic value. This is specifically how I think about personal branding on LinkedIn, specifically that platform, which is, I think, the most common platform that we think about when we talk about personal brand. It's a highly visible and engaging channel where people leverage themselves as economic products by creating content, right? Content that matters to other people, content that engages or somehow connects them back to their market, to the industry that they're working in. Yeah, absolutely. I've never actually thought of it as like an economic product, but it makes absolute sense. So Really, really awesome there. Let's talk about viral posts because personally, I've never had one before. But a few weeks ago, you posted about becoming a VP of marketing at Bonsai, which I'll let you go in because I know you were at Demio and how they acquired them. But like just five years ago, you talked about how you were an EA. And so that post at the time had over 63,000 plus reactions, over 3,300 comments, and I assume easily a few million views. So let's talk about it. What was it like to go viral? What has come from the post? Did it stress you out? Yes. <laughs> yes. Great question. So yeah, let's back up. Demio, where I was the director of marketing, was acquired by Banzai in February of this year. And so July 1st, I was promoted from director of marketing to VP of marketing, and I created a LinkedIn post about that promotion. There were two really specific parts of that post that I think influenced why it went where it did. 
One was what you mentioned, which is I shared that five years ago I was an executive assistant. And so I basically said like, today I'm a VP marketing, five years ago I was an EA. This is really, really important. Which brings me into the next piece of this post, which was that as women and supporters of women, I think we need to do a better job celebrating professional milestones like this. And I likened it to the ways that we celebrate bridal showers and baby showers and weddings, which are monumental celebrations that society and women love to celebrate. And I took to LinkedIn as a celebration and I charged people with celebrating with me. I was like, put on your Whitney Houston song, celebrate with me. This is meaningful for me and this is meaningful for all of us. So I think those were some of the reasons that it went viral. But yeah, to date, it has just under 3 million views, which is crazy. And it does stress me out a little or it doesn't so much anymore, but it did for about a week. I'm on LinkedIn every day, multiple times a day, and I was so distracted by these millions of notifications every time that I went in there. Wonderful problem to have, definitely a first world problem, but it was stressful. Lots of direct messages, lots of wonderful, amazing comments of celebration, which was exactly what I wanted. But yeah, it was it was a lot to wade through. <laughs> I can imagine. It's like... Part of me is like, I really don't want that to happen because like, I don't want to deal with the stress of that. But it's like, I mean, kudos to you. It's like, I see these viral posts and I'm like, oh, I don't know this person. And then I saw yours. And I was like, I know Ashley, like, this is crazy. Like, this is so awesome for her. So that that's super cool. So I want to go into a couple things, like a who are two to three people that you learn from to be a better leader and marketer, especially now as you move up the chain and, and being a VP, like who do you learn from? Yeah, great question. So I've always been a Donald Miller fan all the way back from StoryBrand. I just think he teaches us and reminds us the the power of simplicity and how messaging, conversations, communication really can be boiled down and should be boiled down to its simplest form. I personally, and I think a lot of other marketers might empathize and relate to this, I overcomplicate a lot. I over-communicate. I trail off. <laughs> you know, I. <laughs> it's something that I personally work on all the time streamlining communications, making communications more efficient. And part of my work now as VP is to do that organizationally, to really be thinking about not only how do we message and communicate to our customers and our prospects, but also internally as well. How do we shape conversations? What are our business norms? How all of that really influences our brand and our culture. I'm a big believer that brand and culture are actually the same thing. Brand is external and culture is internal. And so you have to do that work simultaneously. And I think he does a great job of that. Brene Brown is my other one. And she is not a marketer, but she is a social scientist and researcher who talks a lot about vulnerability and shame and leadership in particular. I learn a lot from her about how to communicate with team members, how to give direction, how to provide expectations, how to have hard conversations, which I think are values that actually shape the way we do business. I think when we take steps back, especially as marketers, you and I, Nick, are so aligned on this, that our focus as marketers is revenue. And I think 
more and more marketers are coming to that realization, which is only going to benefit their business and their department, certainly. I also think some of what our business operations and norms tend to leave behind are the development skills of what it means to be a leader and how to actually run a business with empathy and vulnerability and communication and organization and documentation, like some really foundational needs, roles and responsibilities of what everyone is supposed to do. Brene says clear is kind. That's like one of the mottos of leadership, which I think is exactly what Donald Miller says. Donald Miller says, you know, if you confuse, you lose. The idea being that we need to figure out a way to more clearly communicate with one another, whether that's internally or externally. And for successful businesses and successful leaders, it has to be both. Yeah. I mean, I love that. Those are two great people that I probably need to look more into. So I appreciate you sharing that. Let's talk podcast now and, and kind of build this piece in here. So for those that are listening that aren't familiar, Ashley and I used to co-host a podcast together about a year ago called The Revenue Podcast, which was part of Rev Genius. You've now taken over the, the Demio podcast as well, which is great, by the way. Like, How do you feel podcasts open doors both as a guest, but also as a podcast host? Yeah, awesome. So I think a lot of marketers, I think, start their marketing career with written work. I think a lot of people start from that place, writing blog posts, writing email copy. And I think some of what we lose is comfort and confidence in actual engagement marketing, right? And actually like building relationships through engaging two-way platforms Podcast is an exceptional way to do that, both as a host and as a guest, getting used to clarifying your message in a conversation, getting used to active listening and being able to respond appropriately to the questions that are coming your way and being able to actually have a real conversation with somebody. I think one of the things that we talk about a lot at Bonsai is the digital age of marketing is so meaningful and so powerful And also, in a lot of ways, has thrust marketers into this one-way communication, data-driven, attribution model type system, which pulls us away from each other. The idea that we're so focused on open rates and click rates and these data points that don't actually give us a better understanding of who these people are that we're trying to sell to and market to. Podcasts are not that, right? Podcasts are communication platforms that go both ways. So I think it's a really great opportunity for marketers to practice those skills. And as a host, I'm a student, like just a sponge of these incredible people that I talk to every day who level me up as a marketer and a leader consistently. I'm learning things that I never would be able to learn. Podcasts are like these inside looks, these kind of intimate peering behind the curtain of what's going on in other people's businesses and departments that you wouldn't otherwise have access to. It's definitely helped streamline my communication. It's definitely leveled up my leadership skills, my marketing skills. And it's also helped me become more confident in two-way communication channels and reminded me that my job as a marketer is really to build relationships with people. I mean, I couldn't have said that any better personally. And so like, that was the whole thing of like starting this podcast. I could care less if anyone actually listens. I'm just fortunate enough that people do listen to it. But like, 
having like Chris Walker, Justin Welsh, like Kyle Coleman, Dave Gerhardt, like Pep Gatano, I have Ross Simmons coming on, Scott Lee. Like all these people are just people that I personally want to learn from. Yes. And there's been so many things that I've put into my day to day that I've just like learned from these people. And like that was, has helped me personally. Yeah. You have to take advantage of moments like that. I wish that more people just kind of got their nails into it. You know what I mean? Just sort of like, just jump into it. Just figure out a way to get what you want to get. <laughs> I don't mean for that to come across as privilegy as I think that probably sounds, but I do think that there are opportunities. Nick, you posted about this on LinkedIn the other day, just reaching out to people, having the confidence to say like, hey, do you want to be on this podcast? In four-hour work week, Tim Ferriss used to talk about how he would give his students an assignment to reach out to celebrities, have a conversation with a celebrity. And if they would do it, if they could like make contact, he'd buy them a ticket around the world or some, or something like that. And the point wasn't necessarily to get them on. It certainly was. And a lot of them did and had meaningful conversations, were able to ask what they wanted to ask and learn from. But it was also about like the confidence of just figure out how to do this. You can figure out how to do this that I think is a really meaningful part of the process too, reminding us that we're capable of more than we give ourselves credit for. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And so now that you're running a podcast for a company, how do you delineate what is your personal brand versus what is promotional for your employer? This is a great question. And if I'm being really honest, I don't know that I do delineate. I do think that they're sort of the same thing. I recognize that everything my name touches my reputation. And so I'm mindful about that. I'm mindful about not saying yes to too many things that I'm going to fall down on. I'm mindful about preparing for podcasts, preparing for speaking opportunities, making sure that I show up in a way that's going to drive me towards success. But I kind of think they're one and the same thing, actually. I'm curious how you think about this, Nick. What do you think? Yeah, so I think they're also somewhat of the same. And I think it also depends on the maybe the industry that you're in as well. Because like, for example, you know, working for Alice, we sell to marketers. So when I'm posting content or doing podcasts like this with other marketers, people will just associate my name with the brand. But like if I was to work for a company that was selling to engineers or developers, and I was talking about marketing for that piece, it wouldn't really benefit the end user at that point. So I think it depends on the industry. I agree. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Cool. So how has podcasting helped build your personal brand? Really from what you and I had talked about before, which is just getting access to people smarter than me. That's really my goal in life. I want to be in a room where I'm not the smartest person in the room constantly and I want to talk to people who have something to teach me. And everyone does, right? I mean, everyone has something to offer someone else. But man, just the opportunities I've been presented to learn from some of the smartest people in our industry, everything from marketing skills, sales skills, business skills, to leadership skills, soft skills, how to have hard conversations. I mean, all of this, I think... It's just been a great opportunity and, and I, I feel very lucky to be able to do it. 
Yeah, same here for sure. Let's talk about assets. So what kind of assets are you posting to social from your podcast is the first piece. And then the second piece is, has those assets made it easier to post just like in general from a content perspective? Absolutely. Yes. On the second piece. And what we love to do more than anything are video snippets. Because again, podcasting is a two-way communication channel. And I think video is one of the easiest visualizations of that, right? You can see... Nick and I on here, like you can get an inside look at our actual relationship, like how close Nick and I are and how easy it is for us to communicate to each other, right? Some of that is lost in audio form for sure, but that's why we do video. And so we post that on all of our social channels, including YouTube. And I think it makes it also more accessible for people to be able to see is this going to be something that's valuable for me? Do I want to engage with a full episode? Do I want to kind of learn more? And gives them great insight into the types of guests and the host. This is also what I do for webinar promotions. I always do video for webinar promotions because it gives the guests an insight of like, do I want to learn from this person? Like, what is she all about? (laughs) And helps to set expectations, which is really important when it comes to content distribution. We don't want to be in a position where we're kind of pulling the wool over their eyes. They show up and it's something different than what they expected. So I think video is just such a clean, easy way to show them kind of what's coming. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the way that I've always viewed it as well. It's like, honestly, I probably get more views of like the video snippets from these podcasts than actual like listens or downloads, but that's okay because like it's still people like understanding who the guest is, like what we're talking about. And they may always go back and like watch that snippet, but then ultimately down the road will turn into a subscriber or a listener or something. But it's like getting them familiar with the brand or the guest or the host. Yeah, absolutely. And like webinars, podcasts have all these different sections, right? So there are all these mini lessons and opportunities inside of a podcast that are so easy to snip. And just provide that one piece of, you know, information to whoever it's most relevant for. I love that. Yep, absolutely. So have you seen an increase? So like since you've started to do the podcast and everything, have you seen an increase in your own amount of posting or like the quality of posting? Because there's some people like I post every single day and like it's just different things. However, I really do enjoy posting like pieces from like the podcast. Like, do you see an increase in your own posting? So I also generally post on LinkedIn every single day, and we post those video snippets of our podcast on our branded channels. So on Bonsai and Demio's branded LinkedIn channels, we're also really mindful of giving a slew of assets to our guests so they can also promote. We even write copy for them to make it really easy to just copy and paste. And then I'll do it on my own as well. I don't know if I've seen an increase like on my personal page because of these, but I do think what comes across is, again, like my level of excitement of talking to these people. And I think in terms of personal brand and reputation, I'm really proud and I kind of am giving my stamp on every single one of these by posting it on my own page, which is like, this is really valuable. This conversation really mattered. I think you'll find this interesting as well. And by the way, if you're not having direct conversations with Camille Trent at Dooley, like get an inside look at what she's running over there. I'm trying to kind of peel back that curtain in the same way that you are with this, which is 
giving people kind of information that they wouldn't otherwise have access to. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And so I want to go down the path of like adding value for a personal brand. So some people say personal brands about adding value. Some say it's just about being yourself and being your authentic self, but it doesn't really offer someone tactical advice. So like what does adding value mean if you're a marketer that's just getting started? This is so great of a question. And as a marketer in general, I really struggle with the phrase adding value. I talk about this a lot when I teach people about running webinars, which is that I think we've mistakenly come, we as marketers have mistakenly come from a a place of our responsibility is to add value to somebody else, to somebody's market, to somebody's industry, to somebody's business, whatever it is. And I think what that can often do is put us in a weird position of thinking a lot about ourselves as a business, as a marketer, right? Now, when you introduce that into a conversation around personal brand, suddenly it's like, well, is that appropriate actually? Because now we're talking about us and is there a separation of us from our business? And I think this is a really, really good question. I don't have a great answer for this other than to say, adding value, the phrase still kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies because in general, my questions are like, who decides what value is? If I'm the one putting it out in the world, am I deciding what value is? If nobody else finds my content valuable, does that make it not valuable? If I find it valuable, is it? And if so, should I just do it in a vacuum and never share it? At some point, this conversation feels a lot like art, right? Which is this idea of like, if it's not shared, is it still art? Can it be art for art's sake? Can it be art for the artist's sake? So that's not an answer to your question. But my favorite thing to do is just to ask a million questions when you ask one (laughs) as a way to avoid. But that's basically the best thing that I can provide. (laughs) That's a fair point. Okay, let's go back to when Ashley posted the first time on LinkedIn. I I don't know. I don't even know when that was. But I mean, I probably could have dug it up. But like, do you remember the first time that you hit like post on LinkedIn? Like, what was it about? Like, what were you failing at the time? If you even remember? I don't remember the very first one. But I will say that something that I still do to this day that I've done for a long time is I observe the world around me and I post about that. And in the same way that I just did with you, Nick, I try to do it in the form of a question because I'm curious. I'm a curious person. I wanna understand how the world works. I wanna understand how people work. I think that makes me a better marketer and certainly a better leader. And so I like to make observations about things and I like to pose them as questions in order to, one, learn if anyone else is observing the same thing, and two, see if people have solutions. I think one of the best things that we can do as marketers is continue this growth mindset of not needing to have all the answers. And one of the things I struggle with on LinkedIn, and I know you do too, Nick, is people showing up consistently with just answers. They only have answers, and they're posting about it on LinkedIn to share how smart they are with the rest of LinkedIn. And that's fine for some people. I'm not super interested in that, mostly because I don't have any answers and I don't wanna pretend like I do. 
but I do have a lot of opinions and I do have a lot of questions. And those are usually the things that lead me to what I'm going to post about. I like to be controversial sometimes, you know, I'll post about why we're not publicly posting employee salaries. Like we should talk about that. I want to know about that. I've gotten into fights with people on LinkedIn. You know what I mean? Like I'm fine with all of that. I just want, this goes back to the inside look. I want to peek behind the curtain and understand what kind of stuff are is facing you. What kind of stuff are you coming up with, you know, in your day to day? What obstacles are you facing? What are you feeling? What are you experiencing? That's the kind of stuff that I am most interested in. Yeah, for sure. It's like anyone that puts like, expert or guru and like they come across that like that's not true no one can ever stop learning and if you tell me that like oh no i know it all like that's bs like i'm gonna call you out on it like we should all be curious in life and never stop learning because then what growth do we have that's left yep amazing so i want to go into your sources of inspiration and we talked about it a little about like you know framing it as a question, but like, do you keep notes at all? Like, do you like have ideas stored somewhere? Or like what's your typical workflow look like? Yeah, I do. So I do consume a lot of different kinds of content throughout the day. Like I said, I, I like to observe. So I have a notes section on my phone and sometimes I'll be in a meeting and I'll see something happen at our meeting between people. I'll see someone pause before they respond. I'll see people fight. I'll see something by the way of like human behavior that interests me enough and I'll write it down. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I do a lot of podcasts on like my morning walk. I'll hear something that inspires me usually in the form of a question and I'll write it down in my note section. And I do the same thing when I'm watching the news, listening to the news, reading articles that come out. I'll do the same thing. And so I have this long library of basically content ideas that I do shape into LinkedIn posts, usually again, by the way of questions and trying to just see like it. Sometimes I don't even create the context for it. I don't need to create something that says I watched this the other day. Is anyone else observing this so much as I'll maybe turn it into something like, why do we do this this way? Where does this come from? Where did we learn this behavior? And how is it exhibited in our businesses and our relationships with one another? But yes, to answer your question, I have to keep that in a note section because I'll be on a walk and I'll literally, in the early days, I would like run home and be like, I just have to. And it's not about, I want to be clear too, it's not about like, I have to post this on LinkedIn so much as it is about like, this is a thought and a moment that I don't want to let pass me by. This is something interesting that I don't want to lose. It, it goes back to my idea about art. I think when writers in general have a spark of creation, they're like writing on the bus and they're writing wherever they can because they don't want to lose their momentum. That's what that is for me. And it often shows up on LinkedIn because that's where I talk to a lot of people. But sometimes it shows up just in conversation. Like I'll write it down and I'll talk to my friends or my husband about it privately and just say like, I noticed this today. Like, did, do you ever experience this? But yeah, I have to write it down or I will lose it. That's awesome. That's super valuable for everyone listening. So I know we're coming up on time. I've got just a few like final questions for you. 
you know, what's your favorite resource? Could be online, could be offline that you rely on to kind of like just stay up to speed, like keep your brain fresh, your brand fresh, all of that. I read a lot of fiction books. And I specifically, I read a lot of like mystery and thriller books because they are highly dramatic, but they follow a very specific storyline. And I think what fiction books can really teach us is how to tell a good story, how to set up a story, how to execute it, how to present it, what the steps are, who's the villain, who's the hero, what's the conflict. I love that. It does also give me a rest. It gives my brain a rest from thinking about marketing and sales and leadership and all of the things that I think about on a daily basis. But you know, like in yoga, when they talk about Shavasana, it's like the time to let everything just kind of sink in and resonate. That's what fiction reading is for me. The same thing will happen to me where I'll be reading something, someone will die inevitably, because again, that's like what, for some reason, the kind of books that I'm super attracted to. And I'll have this spark of inspiration. I'll be like, oh my gosh, and I'll like write something down. Doesn't mean that I'm posting about people dying on LinkedIn, but it's just like, sometimes it happens to me in the shower too. My God bless him. I have this, Alex is the content marketer at Demio and I send him like middle of the night ideas because in a voice memo, because I get too excited to type and I have to speak it. And then he has to translate it the next morning because it just comes out of nowhere. So fiction books, I think really has done it for me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. So last question for you, for the marketer who has never posted a single thing to LinkedIn before, what would you suggest they they talk about or post about for that first time? Yeah, something that you are experiencing personally. Don't worry about what everybody else is talking about on LinkedIn. Don't feel like you have to join someone else's conversation. Just start your own. Something that you yourself are witnessing, observing, experiencing, feeling, it will be more authentic that way if you can speak to your own true experience and will make you feel more confident rather than feeling like you have to conform to somebody else's topic or industry or format. Just do your own thing. Yeah, I love that for sure. Well, Ashley, thank you again. It was a pleasure to get back together with you, spend some time with you, and I appreciate you spending some time with us and and sharing your story. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for listening to Rep Your Brand. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you learned something new today, it'd be great if you left us a review. We'll catch you next time.